Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to Love Essie, the podcast. This is episode 15. That's right, episode 15. Quincey. Um, this is not a quinceanera, like we're not 15 years old. It's just been 15 weeks. That's right, guys. 15 uh, Mondays that you have been listening to my voice as I talk about things about romance and Nalini Singh and Sai Changelings. Thank you. Okay, so today's book is Tangle of Need, which is book I is it book is book eleven. And I'm gonna talk about that and also something a subject that is tied to this book, which is unlikable heroine. Um you might be like, what is an unlikable heroine? I mean it's a good question because i i hate the term like it's a stupid term um some people use it some readers are like oh i wasn't able to connect to the heroine oh the heroine was too much this or too much that um i personally think people use that phrase in regards to heroines that aren't like uh-oh i don't know a I don't like the term and I think that it is used by readers to in a sort of um, specific way and someone brilliant uh, did an amazing um, article about this that was posted on the Smart Bitches Trashy Books podcast. Um, the Honestly, she's really awesome and I, I'm always like, oh, what is she what is she saying? I want to know because I, I think she has really cool insights, especially about this series. Um, Arya Marzizan wrote a sort of long form essay called In Defense of Unlikable Heroines, a case study of three heroines from Nalini Singh's Side Changeling series. The three heroines she is talking about are Talon the Cade, who is the heroine from book four, Mind to Possess. Um... Audrea Morgan, the heroine for Tangle of Need, and, um, what's her name? Zyra, oh, where'd it go? Eh, brain fart, not brain fart, more like scrolling, mad slow. Hey, yeah. It's okay. And then Zyra Neve from Shards of Hope. So, I think I might have mentioned this article when I talked about Talon's, Talon and her book. Um, I'm bringing it up again in this episode because I think that this is a term, a concept that can be revisited because, again, I find it really aggravating. I was lucky enough to be a guest on Rom Book Pod and the episode I was like talking to Danny uh, who's at Danny Reads on Twitter about was unlikable heroines. So I kind of want to delve into a little bit about that in relation to this book and just in general to romance, romance heroines, and just like my sort of reaction to this term. So as usual, I'm going to first talk about the book without spoiling it or, you know, as little as possible. And then I'm going to pause um, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to spoil it to hella back. And then I think the last section I'll really go because then once I get to the unlikable heroines part, I'm going to probably spoil it again. So, yeah. Anyway. Tangle of Need is um, our main couple are both uh, wolf changelings from Snow Dancer. And we've got Audria Morgan, who is a Snow Dancer senior soldier. And we've got Riaz Delgado, who is a Snow Dancer lieutenant. So we're, this is now book three. This is now the third book in a row that we've been in Snow Dancer, if you've been paying attention. Uh, the previous book, Kiss of Snow, it was Hawk and Sienna, Snow Dancer. And the book before that was Play of Passion, which was Indigo and um, Andrew, which was also in Snow Dancer. And if you've read those books, Audria and Indigo are aunt and niece, but they were 
born like four years apart because Audrey was like a surprise baby to her parents. So even though they're technically like aunt and niece, they essentially grew up like sisters and do share sort of similarities in um, the way that they look. So this book does does something that is unexpected up until this point, right? In this series, changelings, when they fall in love, end up mated to that other person. Whether that other person is another changeling or that person is Psy or they are human, they are mated, right? And we've seen this happen over and over again. It happened with all of the snow, um, all of the dark river uh, sentinels. Um, we saw it happen with Hawk and with Sienna, Indigo, Andrew. Um, of course, there wasn't the same kind of mate, mating bond between Devraj and Katya because they're both Psy, one in and one out of the net. And we also didn't see that with Max and Sophia because one is human, one is Psy. But for every other, every time it's been a changeling relationship, or at least one of the two, if not both are changeling, there has been a mating. Well, that's not exactly what happens in this book. Um, and it is, I think, really interesting. I think it's really interesting that this book comes after um Kids of Snow, Hawk's book, because of the issues that Hawk was dealing with, um, believing he would never mate. So it's it's a very I feel like Nalini Singh was like, in case you thought that only people, only changelings who are mated are happy and everyone else is just like, eh, cash. That's not how this works. You can still be a hundred percent committed deeply deeply in love and the mate bond is just not there and that is okay there's nothing wrong about that there's nothing that makes that relationship and that bond lesser than it is still as beautiful as amazing as incredible as powerful you know the least of words could go on forever so we have that happening but this book also has a lot going on that isn't directly about the couple a lot is changing in the world and we see flashes of we see instances of other couples we see a lot of things happening um and changing with the side and the side net we are introduced to um a number of new characters um and it feels in some ways like this book is not just about Riaz and Adria but also about a sort of the 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 way in which things are potentially going to pan out in future books um I'm not one of those readers who's like, oh my god, we need to spend the bulk of the book with the main couple, and if we don't, it's terrible. I feel like if you, if the author gives me a believable love story amongst everything else that's going on, I'm cool, right? I I mean, I'm in that case, I'm easy, guys, easy. <laughs> um, so... I know but apparently there's been like some of the criticism has been like oh there's not enough time spent with Riaz and Audrey on this book. I disagree personally. Um it might not be on the same degree as some of the other couples, but I think I don't feel like we get cheated in any way. And I think that because the nature of their conflict isn't I don't want to say it's not it's not external at all. Like the bulk of their conflict has a lot to do with it, but each of them grappling with the their own sort of baggage, their own sort of trauma and hurt and pain, and figuring out how to make that work. So I don't know. I mean, 
I almost feel like if we spent too much time with them, I'd be like, oh my God, like this is, this is too much. I don't like it. Take a step back. <laughs> Give me something else. Because um, it's a, th- they both have um, some issues to work through. Not to say ever. I mean, none of the characters that we've we have met in the series or are going to meet in the series are like I had the most wonderful life ever, and nothing ever went wrong, and everything was always no. I mean, that's not no. But I just I don't I I I have no problems. I I I enjoy the amount of time that we spend with me and couple. I also feel like seeing what's happening around them in terms of the greater world only makes the moments that I spend with a couple that much more precious, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I feel like this book, we see a lot. I also, ooh, something that really sort of struck me that I feel, I'm, I mean... We wouldn't have necessarily seen with some of the other changeling um, relationships uh, the way that family is tied into um, Aria's and Audra's courtship. And I say, well, I, when I say we wouldn't have seen it, as in the case of a lot of the characters we have seen fall in love, their parents have already passed, unfortunately, right? And so there isn't that I'm taking so-and-so home to mom and dad scene because unfortunately mom and dad are here. So, you know, so sorry. Uh, whereas we don't have that. That's not the case for Riaz and Audra. They are both lucky um, to have, you know, their parents alive and well. So I do... I I liked that, um, that that was acknowledged, um, understanding that the reason why it's happening in this book is because they have their parents, whereas other characters we have met have not had parents, um, and so I was just like, oh, I like this, that's a point, um, I, I have always really liked this book, part of it is because of the heroine i really like audrey morgan as a heroine i think she is the kind i like a lot of the side changeling heroines like i i i feel like there isn't a single heroine i don't like that i'm like "Mm, why um i've liked all of them but there are some that i like more than others like there's you know my faves and there's something about Audria and her wolf and just um the way that she is and part of it is we find out that her status a senior you know uh soldier in snow dancer isn't just like there she is dominant but there's something uh, there's something else right she's not just dominant she's dominant and something else and i think that was I thought that was really cool because I think up until this point, um, we hadn't sort of seen any character in the changeling world who um sort of was part of that level of the hierarchy. And so we get to see that, we get to sort of experience that as the reader. And I, I don't know if that's why I really like her. Um, I think it's also because she is clear in who she is and is clear in that she cannot repeat the mistakes of her past if she wants to not go through the same thing and I think sometimes I'll read romance and I'll be like girl you're doing the same what are you doing why haven't you why are you doing this like you know that this isn't gonna end well like what 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 are you doing what 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 um whereas Adria is very clear from the jump that like these are the reasons why things happened the way they did before let me not repeat them let me not do them let me not fall into that again and i feel like we don't always get heroines or female main characters who are so articulate about i am not 
repeating my mistakes. I have learned from them. And in doing so, if you are unable to understand why I have the boundaries I have, that is on you. It's not on me. I'm walking the fuck away. And I really, really, really appreciate that. I'm just like, yes, girl. Jaws. Um, so I think that's because she's really my favorite. Like Rias is great. And I think um we also understand more about a different um kind of wolf in the pack um because Riaz is classified or is spoken of as a lone wolf and we have we've only heard of a lone wolf in terms of when Hawk's father is spoken about because apparently Hawk's father was a lone wolf but up until this point we hadn't really seen any characters uh any changeling um wolves uh who were lone wolves and because leopards are obviously a bit different like it, it you know there's there's little you know i guess idiosyncrasies that are specific to each pack right and so we get to see what that means and how that plays out and i think riaz is great but at the core the core of this book for me is adria and she is like the reason why i really enjoy this book i feel like if riaz had not gotten such a great heroine i might have been like "Mm, whatever next keep it moving um because I think it's who she is as a character and how he then responds because of who she is as a character that makes them such a fantastic couple for me. Um, but it really sort of falls on her and just what she brings as opposed to it being, oh, Rian's is so great and he found a great woman. It's more like Audrey's amazing and Riaz finally figures out he needs to stop being an idiot and you know ends up with like an amazing an amazing wolf um okay so i'm gonna pause here and then i'm going to um spoil spoil the book if you do not like the spoilers uh, i'm so sorry uh, you can stop listening now um or i mean when i'm when i press pause and um i skip the next section uh uh, when I talk about it like about heroines, I'm probably going to spoil. Uh, I'll try to keep it to a minimum, though. So you can, you can just scoot ahead to that section, ja? Okay. I see you in. Hear you in. You hear me in. Two seconds, ja. Okay, I'm back. So tangle of need. But, you know, spoiler time. Um, okay, so, as I mentioned earlier, we've got two changelings. They are both wolves in Snow Dancer. And when we finish this book, there has been no mating bond. There is no mate bond. Um, and that is okay. They're still very happy. They're still committed to each other and plan to be together for the long haul. You might be like, did you just say there is no mating? But I thought you said that they were changeling. So if you've been reading all of the books, right? If you didn't just like tune in. Um, in Play of Passion, which is Indigo in Andrew's book. Re- this is the book where Riaz comes home to the Sierra uh, Nevada, whatever. Uh, he comes home to the den from Europe. He had been... Um, doing his lone wolf thing and being a representative of snow dancer um abroad there is a scene with him and indigo because indigo is being foolish and thinks that a man four years younger than her is just like no and slightly less dominant <laughs> no clearly by the end of the book she realizes how dumb she's being but at this moment she's kind of like well I shouldn't even consider Andrew and Riaz is home and like we scared we, we scared we shared intimate skin privileges like ages ago when he was in the den so maybe I should like you know chase after him because he would be more appropriate and Riaz lets her know that yeah so the main reason I'm home is because I did find my mate while I was in Europe but she's human which 
you would be like, and that's fine. Yeah, but she's human and happily married to another human. Oh, oh. And so in that book, we learn that obviously this is very painful, very awful, right? The wolf is supposed to only mate once. And in this case, Briaz has found his mate and she's already married to somebody else. And because both his mate and her husband are human, of course, they wouldn't know anything about sort of the intricacies and what a mate bond means and what it would feel like. None of that. So it's not even like Lisette was changeling and married to a human and then found him and was like, oh, damn. What am I, what do I do now? Like she's human. So she doesn't obviously know anything about this. So then we've got Hawk and Sienna's book where Hawk thought that his mate, Hawk believed that he would not be able to mate because his mate had died. Except technically the woman who would, the child who would have grown up into the woman who would become his mate had died, but he had never mated with her. So like technically the wolf could choose again, which it did, Sienna. So then we get to Riaz and Riaz is kind of like, oh my God, like, I don't want to have anything to do with anybody else because for wolves and for changelings, the idea of being with anyone other than your mate is like betrayal. It's, it's like, what? Like, that's just on a level, like, it's horrifying. Like, you would never do such a thing, which I do think is interesting because like Riaz can't be the first wolf, right? Or first changeling to find his mate. And they already be with somebody else, especially since Riaz found his mate in Europe, right? And he's from California. Like, clearly you and your mate weren't running in the same circles. So like, like what? You can't be the only one. But anyway, I digress. So when we start Tangle of Need, right? Riaz and Audra don't get along. And at first, because we're sort of seeing the inner, we're, you know, we see i think we start off with like sort of riaz's point of view and he's kind of like why is she being such a bitch what the fuck and the audrea has thoughts of like she knows exactly why her wolf is reacting or why she's reacting this way but it isn't sort of made clear until they're like driving to go other wolves were at some sort of a hydraulic whatever station and needed Something happened in their truck. They need to go basically go rescue some of their pack mates. And they end up arguing, getting out of the car, and, like, going at each other. But not, like, fighting, but, like, sexually. Oh, my God. And that's when Riaz realizes that, like, the reason why they've both been so irritated with each other is because it's been hiding an underlying, crazy, off-the-charts, unexpected, unseen um sexual chemistry that's like whole but he's angry because like he sees it still as a betrayal of the meat he obviously isn't gonna be with because she's married and happily married and of course Audrey doesn't at first know this so he's he is a complete utter dick to her and I I said earlier like the reason why I love this book so much is Audrey and Audrey is the reason that I enjoy it um, and I'm happy that they're together, but she's like my, and I think it's because Riaz is such an asshole. Like the Psy who don't have fucking feelings, I feel like are less assholes in some respects than he is because his reasoning, like the way he reacts and speaks to Audria, I get that you are in a shit ton of emotional pain, but like really dude? And like, of all people, another changeling would understand. So you could just tell her, oh, but, you know, pride and all that shit and dominate. You don't want to. But like, that's not her fault. That's not her fault at all. At all. And you're a lieutenant. You're a lieutenant, sir. Which means like, you're not just some like regular, degular wolf in the den. What? So I do think like, I'm trying to think of how I felt when I the very first time I read the book, I know that I was like hella excited because I was like, I'm a lady saying, y'all. Um, but I do think I felt there were times where I was like, hmm. And now in my subsequent rereads, I'm always just like, Riaz, you fucking douche. The fuck is wrong with you? You're being a dick. 
like a dick for no good reason okay fine you're emotionally like destroyed okay you're not the only one because what we also saw in um play of fashion is that audria at in that book there's a scene where indigo brings drew home to like her parents and um her aunt is there right with her partner martin who is a less dominant wolf and it is a horrible horribly toxic clearly horribly toxic relationship situation and it's kind of like and andrew realizes when he sees that like what he's up against not only is he up against the fact that like conventionally people think that like lesser dominant wolf doesn't necessarily work with more dominant wolf but like indigo has a clear example of that and he isn't just like speculating so for her book for tangled of need we know that audria we find out that audria was with martin for 10 years that things like you know were great started out wonderful started out amazing there was you know tenderness and laughter and joy and all the things that you would hope would be in a relationship and then it started to corrode from the inside out at some point he stopped being able to celebrate the fact that she was stronger than him and resented that and that and allowed that to fester into you know the destruction of who they were together so it's not like audrey's like oh i've lived this charmed life with no problems and riaz is over like she has her own emotional um baggage that she has to work through and unpack and i do feel that in this book we're shown that audrey has been doing the work to become better um to be a better version of herself to not make the mistakes that she made in the past and i think that by doing that she shows riaz that he has to do the same but i do think that like she shows an emotional depth and maturity that at first i'm like mm, i don't know about you sir i don't know about you you being a, a nincompoop i don't like it now this book also has a lot of other things going on this book is not just the main couple so similar to how in hawk and sienna's book we had hawk and sienna but we also got a secondary love story because we got um walker and lara lara however you say that um in this book we don't necessarily get a secondary love story right because um we do see walker and lara's meeting um ceremony but we get we are shown that the world that Rias and Audria are in where they're making the decisions that they make um is rapidly changing and the things that have been sort of on the horizon are now here um so in this book I sort of made a list of you know the the different sort of layers or storylines or whatever you want to call them in this book so obviously riaz and audria are our main sort of focus and they're both trying to figure out if what starts out as like crazy off the charts sexual attraction um can be more than that and then as it morphs into something completely unexpected you know full of commitment and tenderness it's like oh my god can we do this you know, with Riaz making the decision to be all in it. Once he makes a decision, that's it for him. Whereas Audrey is a little more like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, are you sure? <laughs> are you positive? Are you sure though? But are you positive? Because like, are you sure? Um, and for valid reason, like most people will be like, nah, my mate. <laughs> and he's kind of like, yeah, yeah, she's with somebody else next. Um, but then we also have this signet is on the brink of civil war and the sort of first act in that happens um and it is not as catastrophic as it could have been um because caleb krychek is able to sort of hold an entire section of the net on his own and so the reality of 
who he is in terms of the level of power that he has is now sort of known to at least more people than previously. I've, I believe up until this point, most people understood that Caleb Krychek was dangerous, but it is in this book that at least the arrows who have uh, stopped following Ming and are more or less kind of trying to be um, at least somewhat aligned with Caleb where they realize, oh, this is this is a, a power on a level even we um, don't have. We also have um, other things, right? Henry finally dies. Thank goodness. If you were like, oh, I liked Henry. Okay, weird. He's dead. You'll get over it. Ming tries to kidnap Sienna. Uh, I say try because he doesn't succeed. And so many people want him dead. So I can't wait. I think it happens in the next book. Caleb's book. I hope it does. Because, um, ew, I, I want him dead. Um, we learn more about the arrows, right? Judd is a former arrow. We've now met two other arrows, right? Vasic and Aiden. Um, and we, we've started to learn different little things. Well, we... What becomes clear to us as readers is that the arrows have realized for quite some time that the council isn't necessarily focused on silence and the pop and making sure that the population is safe, but more so on just power. And so there are a group of, you know, former arrows living in Venice um, and they are people they are former arrows who Ming wanted, you know, you know, sort of erased, removed, killed, um, which is one of the biggest reasons why the Arrow Squad decides that they can no longer um, support him or be aligned with him. And so that's really interesting because we'll see those characters come into play in later books and we'll understand more about what all of that means and what all of that entails um the human lines who we had already met right we had met Bo, who was when we meet Bo, i believe in dorian and ashaya's book that's when the human alliance um is sort of the human alliance in that book has a paramilitary arm, but the man in charge of everything has been compromised by Tatiana Riker-Smith, who was hoping to manipulate him into sort of killing counselors and changelings so she could rise to power, to, you know, soul power. And so that man does die, um, and Bo sort of ends up being sort of de facto leader. Um, so we meet him again in this book, and we learn more about the Human Alliance and what that means, um, Riaz's potential mate, uh, Lisette, is um, a member of the Human Alliance. Um, and then we also, um, we also get to, so Hawk, I feel like this is like Hawk, but also the reader gets to meet Black Sea. And Black Sea is the coalition of water changelings. And as opposed to the predatory changeling packs, water-based changelings, even if they, you know, are only a single family unit, are a all under the banner of Black Sea together, as opposed to there being separate sort of groupings based on the animal that they are. So it, the idea is if you're a water-based changeling, you're just a member of Black Sea, as opposed to there being, you know, dolphin packs and there's none of that and so we haven't you know i feel like sometimes when you first start reading the series you're like oh leopards wolves right if you've read other paranormal romance that has shape-shifting or that kind of thing wolves lions tigers bears those tend to be the animals that you know you see in this kind of a world but now the idea of water-based changelings sharks dolphins octopus jellyfish it's like whoa, whoa hold up does that mean wait what does that mean and i think what's interesting is we meet black sea after we've met 
Windhaven, which is the Falcon um, wing that is that does have sort of a um, a type of alliance with Snowdancer and Dark River. So when we meet when when we met Windhaven earlier, I think the first the first instance that we meet them is in Branded by Fire, Mercy, and Riley's book. Well, that's when we find out. Oh, this probably means that there are other winged like other bird changelings right if there's falcons there's probably like owls and pigeons and seagulls and whatever the hell right and we know that there are rats um but now we know that there are water-based changelings clay talked about a snake changeling in you know mind to possess so it at this point and we've heard about deer so now we're understanding so in this world in the side changeling world when they speak about changeling they literally mean all animals there has been no talk of insects i hope it stays that way i do not think i could handle the thought of spider changelings or cockroach changelings so nolini if you ever hear this please don't just no no to insects we can do reptiles since there's talk of a snake but no to insects. Um, but it is something that's like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that, but cool. Um, and so, yeah, so this book has a lot of, ooh, and then, okay, so in Huck and Sienna's book, Sasha and Lucas gave birth to their, like, adorable baby girl. Well, guess who else was pregnant? Um, Riley and Mercy. And Faith. Faith has a vision. And Faith is laughing. And Faith says something about multiple births. Mm, not twins, though. Meaning more than two. What? Yeah, I was like, oh my god. I remember, I think the first time I read that, I was also very, very, very excited about that. Because I was like, oh my god, what? What? So yeah, so this book does have so much going on alongside Ria's and Audrey's story. And I think part of that is Riaz, Riaz and Audrea, so much of their story is them figuring out and dealing with their emotional sort of trauma that they have. Riaz, because he found what all wolves say they're looking for and can't have it and has to figure out how to live his life without it. Because to savage, like to destroy Lisette's relationship with her husband would not make him happy, right? Because that would make her miserable. That's not the point. And then Audrea having to figure out how she's going to go forward because there are so many things that she did while she was with Martin to try and make things work with Martin that she started to lose herself. And she doesn't ever want to go through that ever again, understandably. And then, of course, she's got Riaz being like, I'm choosing you. And she's like, sir, you got a mate. And there's a moment where, you know, at first it's like, okay, we're going to make this work. And then Lisette shows up in California and is like, oh, we're getting divorced. And that's when Audrey's like, I have to let you go. And Riaz is like, girl, what? It's crazy. And I get, I get Audrey's viewpoint, right? Because it's like, imagine, because the way I see it, she loves him enough to want what's best for him even at the cost of the two of them being together um and so I do think that like I don't know sometimes I think if we'd spent more time with them we'd just be like oh my god like just sobbing all over the place whereas like I feel like we get some distance and we come back to them and then we get some distance and we come back to them and so the moments that they are together are really really um tender and poignant right we also learned so audrea is what's considered a maternal dominant so she's maternal but also dominant and so she chose to be a soldier um and so we get sort of we see in the way that audrea is with other wolves that she is dominant but she's less abrasive than mercy and less abrasive than indigo in certain areas and that has a lot to do with the fact that she is maternal um and then riaz is this lone wolf and again there had been talk of that in reference to hawk's father but we, we didn't really know 
what that meant. I mean, I guess you can like extrapolate. And lone wolf doesn't want to, but like it's more like they like to roam. And when they find that person that's going to be their, you know, sort of lodestone, um, all so much of their, of their sense of like themselves and their wolf is like this is our person and there's no sort of like shifting them from that which I thought was really really I think because of that because the lone wolf's tendency to become so utterly possessive over the person that they choose as their own I think that works well in the context that like even though there is no mate bond this wolf is like this is who have chosen or would that have necessarily looked the same had Riaz not been a lone wolf I don't think so um so yeah this monk I like it but Adria is my favorite and Riaz has his moments um oh and I'd mentioned um how in the non-spoiler section how I really like the fact that so Riaz brings Adria home to his parents. They live in San Diego. And there's, a, you know, um, a scene where Adria talks with her parents. And in terms of the changelings that we've met so far, um, this is the first couple where both members have living parents. Living, loving parents that, you know, are a shining example, right? Because when we look at... Um, when we look at everyone in Dark Rivers, Luke's parents were murdered. Um, Sasha has her mother, but like, and that's a very sort of interesting relationship. But I don't think we ever know who Sasha's father is. I don't think that's ever brought up. Um, Vaughn's parents were trash, um, hot, hot garbage. Faith does have her father who's like, in her life but we also never really hear about her mother um talon ugh, <laughs> hello <laughs> no no family clay no family like his mother died his father died so they those two have zero parent um in the picture um dorian does have his parents but because of what happens to his sister before the series starts his parents from what we know have decided to sort of roam because to stay home and it's just probably there's too many memories of their daughter in you know their lands so they're roaming so he has his parents but they're they're just not around so we haven't really seen or met them and ashaya also aside <laughs> nope um i don't think there's there are in the book the letters that were written to her from her mother but i believe their mother is gone yeah i'm pretty sure she's she's dead then we've got um mercy does have her parents and there is a scene where, where riley has to meet her mother and father and the father's like if you hurt my baby girl i will murder you me and my sons will kill you don't do that um but riley and brenna and andrew don't have parents right their parents died um oh and i like totally skipped over brenna and judd but like judd doesn't have parents brenna's parents are gone andrew his parents are gone indigo does have her parents right uh, and andrew meets them um but then we look at like dev and katya dev's mother is gone and his father's, you know, in an insane asylum or whatever. And he barely speaks to him. Um, and Katya, no idea who her parents are. Max and Sophia, also, no idea. Well, Max's mother hated him. And then she died and his father was garbage. And Sophia's parents were like, mm, she's damaged. We no longer want to have anything to do with her. So, really, it's... This is really the first sort of time that we're seeing two two characters who have a loving home as their base like and it exists and it's not just memories of a time oh because i did i also forgot about hawk and sienna hawk's parents killed right um sienna her mom took her life again we don't know who the father is and then lara and walker lara's father our parents are alive and they there is sort of like subtext or there is a, a 
brief conversation where um walker i think is talking to cnn and it's like yeah like laura's dad definitely was like i will murder you if you hurt my daughter um but like walker whoever was the parent whoever were the parents for walker judd and their um sister christine we have no idea so i i I thought that that was really a really i guess just as a reminder to the reader that like not everyone is like ah all my parents are dead and it was trauma um that there are wolves and you know that there are changelings that you know don't have as much of this traumatic backstory as others um but yeah there is very much interestingly enough i think this book also does remind me a lot of some of the guilt hunter books so guilt hunter is uh another paranormal romance series that nalini singh has and this the way this book sort of touches on the main couple but also the world at large and gives us so many you know details and and sort of snippets um i feel like you see that a lot more in the guilt hunter books um and because i love both i had no problem um there was something else i was gonna bring up but i've forgotten so i'm going to pause here and then i'm gonna come back and be like unlikable heroine audrea morgan what are you thinking when you say that Hmm? okay i'll be right back okay so unlikable heroine a term i don't like and you're gonna be like but why why don't you like this term simple i feel like unlikable heroine is too often attached to heroines who don't just give the hero what he wants with very little pushback i also feel like it's applied to heroines who have a sexual past um that is you know more than one or two or you know something considered appropriate um weirdly i also sometimes think it's applied i feel that it's sort of applied to heroines who aren't just sort of a specific type of woman um and you're gonna be like but esther what do you mean so i want to go back or i want to sort of talk about aria's um article on smart bitches trashy books um which is going to be in the show notes so you can click on it and read it because i think it really does a fantastic job of outlining why this is a problem and like what the hell so part of why i don't i find this annoying um in this book right are two main characters riaz is way more of an asshole um than most of i want to say the sort of heroes in this series or maybe it's not even that it's just it's the way in which he speaks to audrea that's always had me be like excuse me because he isn't doing it there have been other books where it's like the hero's being a dick because he thinks that by being a dick he can push the heroine away and it's really for her safety kind of garbage no he lashes out and he's a dick because he's upset and doesn't like the fact that um audrea you know doesn't you know know to read his mind and understand why he's so upset and angry at the world like she has no idea what's happened to you you haven't told her which is fine but you're going to take it out on her like it's her fault when she's done nothing wrong um like really my dude um and so and it's like and at first they both like dislike each other which is fine but like 
she clearly tries to clear up the air and be, I guess, the bigger person and try and make things work. Um, if you guys can hear music, that's just people outside. Um, and he's just kind of like, <laughs> make things work. Let me just be a dick. And I'm just like, uh, like, why are you like this? But what I do like is that, so there's a scene, he's a dick to her. He, you know, um, is really, really shitty to her. Um, Arya wrote it in her article. I'm just going to read the very, like, last little bit. Um, he could barely see straight, much less think, but he knew one thing. You're not a woman I'll ever want in my bed. Audrey could feel her face burning, the heat blistering, but she didn't run off, tail between her legs. Can't get much clearer than that. I mean, did you have to say that, Rios? You're not a woman I'll ever want in my bed. Do you even know what you're talking about? Do you even know what you're talking about? Do you? I don't think so. And why do you have to be so cruel about the rejection? I think that's what always has pissed me off. Of course, you know, it's literally like a few scenes later and he's kind of like, Ugh, I can't like get her like, because the thing is their sort of sexual attraction is so wild that he's just like, okay, maybe I'm being dumb. Maybe we should, we should do what Audrey first suggested, which was have intimate skin privileges, sort of to like get this out of our system or at least, you know, help each other out because we're pack mates. And she's just like, no, um... And so she she then says, I'm worth more, she told him, wiping the back of her hand across her mouth. Affection, respect, tenderness, I'm worth all of that. So don't you dare come near me again until you're ready to offer it. And I think that is when it cements for me, at least, that she is what I would consider a most likable heroine. You know what I wouldn't have liked? If she had just been like, you know what? I'm going to spread my legs for homeboy because he's emotionally distraught and maybe between my legs he'll find peace. Fuck that. Why do you have to take on all of his sort of awful behavior and then give him peace with your vagina? Nah, nah. If you want to come anywhere near this vagina, you better come correct. You better come correct. And and she makes it clear to him, that's not what you're doing. You're acting like as if we can just forget about the fact that you were awful and it'll be fine and we'll just make it work. Um, no, that's not fair. And so for people to have an issue with that, for readers to be like, oh, but like, Riaz is hurting. It's not his fault. Um, it's not Audrey's fault either. She isn't the one who has hurt him, right? She isn't his mate, but married to somebody else and whatever, whatever. No, she has nothing to do with that situation. At this moment in time, she doesn't even know that's why he's being the, you know, asshole motherfucker that he's being. So why does she have to be like, let me just make you feel better Riaz at the expense of my self-worth at the expense of my self-respect that's not fair so for her to be labeled as unlikable because she was like hold hold up you don't just get to use me first as a punching bag and then as you know like a flashlight Mm, no that's that's not what we're gonna do here that's not what we're gonna do and so like the way I like I said I think our Aria the writer who wrote the article does really explain like I think explains how it's really unfair that because Audrey is seen as being emotionally guarded and closed off that's unlikable and I'm like, what would be unlikable to me is someone who went through what she went through with Martin, right? She had a ten, year, she had a ten year relationship with this man, 
that fell apart because things got toxic because she gave up parts of herself because she tried to be someone who she wasn't to make some man happy what would make her unlikable is if she went through all of that and then did it again therefore having therefore showing us the reader that she learned absolutely nothing about what she went through with martin right she goes into this you know i feel like at first it's kind of like a situation ship you know where it's like two people are like you know they're fucking but like they're pretending that feelings aren't there okay and then like later it's like oh okay sorry we do feel things um i feel like had they both had they gone into this and audrey was just like let me forget or you know ignore all of the shit that i went through with martin and just give Rhea's free reign i would have been aggravated i would have been annoyed because i would have like so you learned nothing you're just gonna let yourself be emotionally devastated again does it and now i'm asking myself do people not like this because oh that reminds them themselves either they went through something similar and then allowed it to happen again because they didn't bother to do the work to be a better person for themselves i mean if you're reading this and you're upset that she had self-respect and self-worth and wanted to be treated you know in a court you know in the manner in which she deserved because you never asked for that i mean girl go go to therapy that's that's not the book's fault that's not this character's fault and I think to label a character, especially a female character, who has clearly is like, I am worth more. To label a, that character as unlikable makes me just think that like you, you expect women to be sort of, you know, doormats. Or the fact that you can't connect to that makes me question you as a reader and sort of be like, well, what is, what is going on in your life? this would set you off that this would be something that you can relate to don't you want to be the kind of person in real life who is like even when i've made mistakes i own up to them and i work on myself so that i don't repeat them like isn't you don't want that or you don't want that i I mean what do you care for i mean that's rhetorical i mean you're here because you're here but I just thought that it was really, really interesting that Audria is like, I'm just trying not to be, you know, treated like crap. And later, I'm trying not to be. And then, sorry. But then also, when Audria realizes that Riaz could have a chance with his mate, because his mate has shown up in California and is potentially getting a divorce from her husband. Instead of being some, like, shysty bitch who's like, well, um, he's mine. And she loves him enough to want him to have that chance. Of course, he's all like, I have made my decision. Me and my wolf pick you. Was that, I mean, there was a, a, a time when I would have wanted her, but that time has passed. But, like, she has such a huge heart that she's like, I'm willing to let you go at the cost of my heart to go be happy and you don't like her and she's unlikable to you oh what's wrong with y'all and i was wrong with y'all because here's the thing if we flip the script and she was a man and did that oh my god look at that hero trying to like sacrifice his love for trying to do what's best for the heroine but giving her her shot with somebody else because he loves her that much to want to see her be happy even if it's not with them oh but because it's a woman doing it oh well i don't really like her what i am annoyed i don't like this you sound a foolish foolish and wrong so yeah i totally get why Arya was like, bitch, what? These women are, these characters are not unlikable. And if you don't like them, that speaks to something else. Um, 
And you might be like, Esther, I read the book and I thought she was boring. Okay, well, why did you think she was boring? Is it because she didn't have fancy side powers? Because she was just, you know, closer to a regular run-of-the-mill wolf as opposed to, like, a fancy wolf? Like, what? Like, she's a maternal dominant. She does her job. She's part of this wonderful pack. Hmm. I mean... Are you entitled to your opinion? Of course you are. I mean, y'all are listening to my opinion, right? It's not set in stone. It's not fact. I mean, kind of. Not really. No, I'm kidding. It's not. It's not. It's not. But I just, that term, hmm, it's a boo-boo. It's bobo. And it's just weird because it's always applied to heroines that I'm like, oh, but I like those. It's never applied to heroines that I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because I'm trying to think, there have been heroines that I've kind of been like, Mm. Eh. Not in, you know, side changeling. Wait, are there any? No, I've liked all of them. I've been a fan. Um, but in other other books, um, that I've read, but I just was like, <sighs> really, Audrey? Like she is what makes this look. I'm sorry, Riaz is great, but like, she's perfect. Or just what makes this book just kiss, kiss of joy, y'all, y'all. Oh, random, but like forgot to mention earlier, Alice Eldridge wakes up in this book. Yeah, yep. And I'm really hoping that Alice gets her own book. I don't know if that'll happen or if we'll just continue to see Alice sort of be in scenes throughout other people's books, but I would be totally totally down for her having her own book um but yeah I don't like unlikable heroin as a term I don't think it's I feel like it's just applied oh but she had sex or she's not as nice as she should be and that's some bullshit that's some straight up bullshit and y'all need to move past that um what else? I think that's it for this week. I haven't really... Life has been crazy, you know. The whole world is falling apart and we're all trapped in our homes and all that jazz. So, eh, reading has been hard. But, I will say this. There have been some amazing romance authors who have been um, trying to like find ways to get their books into people's hands even if people have a limited budget. So... Kit Rosha has bundled, I believe, the first three books of the Beyond series um, as a pay which you can sort of bundle. Um, and I believe Rebecca Witherspoon also bundled four books, three or four books as a pay which you can. There have been other authors who have just been putting their books on sale or um, offering them and things like Amazon Prime or Amazon Kindle, although oh, Amazon. But I mean, you know, what can we do? I mean, it's hard because a part of me is like, burn to the ground, Amazon. But then I'm like, there are so many authors who I absolutely love who publish through Amazon. And that is how they make their living. And I don't want them to lose that. I just wish, you know, Jeff Bezos wasn't ugh, disgusting and awful. and would donate most of his billions to help people instead of being like, oh, can you guys like pull your uh, sick days together? What? Anyway, I'm getting far off topic. Um, but yeah, I haven't, I feel like maybe next week I'll get more into reading some more. Um, the next book is going to be, uh, Caleb's book, which is Heart of Obsidian, guys. Heart of Obsidian. Um, and I, ugh, that, oh, oh my God, God, that book, um, so Nalini Singh came to the United States, I guess, to do a book tour for that book. So, I, at the time, I believe that was 2013, I was going to, um, BMCC, which is the Borough of Manhattan Community College, and the Barnes and Nobles in Tribeca, 
um she did an appearance there so i got that was the first time i got to meet her not the last but the first time and she signed my book and she was so cool and so nice and i was just like oh my god and like i've let no one touch that book like the only person who could touch a book is me and i'm like so gentle with it because i'm just like but this was signed by miss nalini saying like i can't just like no one could judge this touch this book like if someone was like i really want to read heart of obsidian do you know what esther would do esther would buy them a copy of that book i'd either be like would you like an ebook version or a mass market paperback i can have either one of them for you but what you're not going to do is touch my signed copy so yeah heart of obsidian is next um i have oh i just realized i have the latest Nalini Singh I also have to read and J.R. Ward's The Sinner I also have so I may be studying that sometime this this week and I got accepted um like I requested um Talia Herbert's upcoming um novel on Idleways, uh take a hint Danny Brown and got accepted so I'm probably gonna start to read that soon because that comes out next month which like seemed really far away but we're already in april so eh. um but yeah um that's pretty much all i've been reading or haven't been reading will be reading woo and other than that you know just trying to make it day by day if you guys have any sort of cool ideas for like how to make it through working from home when working from home sounds like the utter worst thing on the planet please please tell me on twitter or on instagram i would love to hear your ideas also if there are books that you're reading um that you're really really loving during this unprecedented times um please share please share and yeah i think that's it for today i believe so I mean, I can't think of anything else. Um, like I said, I'm gonna link. I'm gonna put the link for um, the Aria's article on smart bitches, trasher books, and yeah, I I think that's everything, guys. Have a wonderful Monday. In case you were like, it's Monday. It is. Um, <laughs> don't worry, it's okay. Um, enjoy your day. Stay safe uh if you feel like eating some random things do i mean earlier i had an apple um followed by cheese stick like you know string cheese and then i had some tostones and then i followed that up with some yogurt key lime to be specific it's yoplait's wee french style yogurt and it was delicious like not too sweet just perfect oh in case you're wondering what flavor key lime the best flavor ever um don't don't at me all right have a wonderful week and i will talk to you guys next week bye